It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. It's 607 at News Talk WSB. This is Lawn and Garden. I'm Walter Reeves, the Georgia Gardener, here to help you be more successful doing whatever you want to do in your garden, and help. I will help you to achieve that goal. Our number is 404-872-0750 if you have a question this morning or if you have a problem with pests in your garden. And I am, well, I am really, really, really upset with a particular creature of which I'm not sure which one it is. I have a neighbor who has tomatoes in a raised bed, and she's a very organic, vegetarian, not going to kill any animal kind of kind of person and doesn't really want to even trap whatever creature is doing the damage to her tomato bed. But in the last week, in the last eight days, she's lost one, two, three, four, five, four or five tomato plants that were easily a foot and a half tall, planted in the bed, raised bed, foot and a half tall tomato plants, nice-looking, healthy tomato plants, come out in the morning, she said, and they're just laying on their side with no roots to speak of underneath. They're just laying on their side in the bed. What's going on here? And because I'm a nice guy, I said, well, look, I've got a trail camera, one that will light up at night, one that will shine and take a picture of anything that moves in this bed. We'll find out what it is. So I set it up, and we lift, left it out there for two days in a row, two cycles of night, day, night, day. And I took it to my house and took the memory card out of it. And these trail cameras are really nice, really interesting, not expensive at all. 50 bucks, I think, was all this one was. And so I took it home and took the little memory card out of it, stuck it in my computer, and there's a way of jamming together all these little 10-second segments, because that's what it does. As soon as it senses motion in front of the camera, it starts taking a picture. It takes the video for about 10 seconds, I think, each one. And so by the next day, after you've done this for a couple of days, there are, boy, geez, 60 or 70 probably uh, instances where something moved, whether it's a leaf or, or, or something else, whatever moved in front of the camera, set it off, and it makes all these little 10-second videos. So I have a way of jamming the videos together so you can make one long sequence, and I turned it on to see what was going on, and sure enough, there's a robin in the, in the tomato bed, and there's the leaves jerking back and forth, there's the wind blows them, and then there's a chipmunk, and the chipmunk runs around the edge of the bed, runs around in through the tomatoes and everything, he digs a little bit and besides one tomato, and then he goes, bye-bye, see you later, 10 seconds, it's always gone. Then a squirrel comes in, and the squirrel runs around inside the bed, digs a little bit besides one of the tomatoes, and then the squirrel's gone. Chipmunk comes back, digs a little bit besides another plant, and he's gone. So over the next... I don't know how long it was, really, because these are segments that are taken independently of each other. But between the two creatures, the chipmunk and the squirrel, they both came in and just looked guilty as all heck. Just really, really guilty. But I couldn't find the segment in which they cut the tomato plant down because one more tomato plant was gone the next morning. As a matter of fact, what happened 
was whoever did the damage to the bottom of the tomato plant clipped it off and the tomato fell into the lens of the camera so you could not see who was scampering off with a guilty look on their on their face whether it was chipmunk or squirrel i am not sure but it was one of them and one more tomato plant was down so the camera's back out again right now we're going to find out whether or not the chipmunk or the squirrel is eating these tomato plants and again the damage is simply this she comes out in the morning she says and something has chewed off the bottom of the tomato plant on the one that i saw there were little bitty bits of root attached to the bottom of the stem and that was all little bitty quarter inch of that much eighth inch maybe bits of stem or bits of root attached to the stem and that's it and will a chipmunk or a squirrel do that evidently one of them does but we have yet to figure out which one is the guilty party and then what are we going to do about that we're going to put a cannon out there, a motion-activated cannon. We have one of our water shooters that, are, um, that you could use to repel animals. Maybe we'll use that. Speaking of those water shooters, this is an interesting situation. The, what I'm referring to, well, I'll, we'll get there. I'll tell you about it. A woman wrote me and said, I have a friend who has a cabin on a lake in North Georgia, and the cabin has a little boat dock, a little boathouse and a dock. And she said, there's an otter who lives in this lake, the only time he is seen is when he's up on the boat dock making a big poop, making an otter poop in on the planks of the dock. And the rest of the time, you don't see him at all. But once every day, I guess, he comes up, leaves his calling card, jumps back in the water, and away he goes. And so the woman says, what am I going to help my friend? How do you get an otter to not do anything of that? Here, she said that, Lions and bears are their mortal enemies, but I can't find any lions to want to go up there. And bears are pretty hard to get to wrangle down into the creek there and the pond. So I don't know what I'm going to do about this otter. So I suggested to her there are motion-activated water sprinklers, water cannons. And one of them is called the Scarecrow. One of them is called the um, uh, Have a Heart Spray Away. There's one other one. I can't remember the name now. But... There are these motion-activated water sprinklers, and I suggested to her that would be probably the best thing to use is get a motion-activated water sprinkler, set it down there on the end of the end of the dock, pointed towards wherever the otter jumps out of the water and does his thing and jumps back in, and just give him a good bath. Next time he feels the urge to go, he gets a bath at the very least. It was the other situation where I thought this was a particularly good solution was a lady in South Georgia, way down in South Georgia, wrote me that buzzards, turkey buzzards, are landing on her car, on her convertible, and were pecking the rubber weather stripping around the windows and around the doors out of her convertible car. What could she do about that, she asked. And the water sprinkler was the only thing I could think of because buzzards and vultures are both protected animals. You're not supposed to shoot them. You're not supposed to do anything bad to them. They are protected animals, so you can't trap them. You can't shoot them. You can't do all the things that you might think that you could do. Nonetheless, I think, I hope, I believe that she got a motion-activated water sprinkler and was able to solve the problem. If you have a problem this morning, 404-872-0750, 404-872-0750, the same numbers that Roy, Ray, excuse me, Ray in Athens dialed just a few minutes ago, and now Ray's on the air with us. Ray, good morning. Hello. Good morning, Walter. How are you doing? Hey, Ray, I'm all right. What's going on? 
So uh, I'm waiting uh, to call you for about three weeks. The problem with uh, uh, the your time slot is that uh, this is when uh, people who garden are up, yeah. but it's also when we're working. Yeah. So, uh, um, so I have my my usual corn, which is uh, field corn, which uh, you know Strucker's favorite. It gets uh, sometimes. 16 inches long and it's nice tall corn and the germination period is longer yeah and um uh it's just uh coming in and uh and uh everything's uh the the ears are filling out the stalk seems to be smaller this year uh i think what happened is my uh even though i added a little bit more i think my fertilizer got diluted does yeah. that sound right yeah because it rains so much at your house like it did at mine it surely is gone by now yeah. 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 And uh okay. Uh in relation to that, um, I've always put my uh ammonium nitrate in when the field corn was about three feet tall. Man, you know, it gets yeah. about twelve, fifteen feet tall. Yeah. Uh my neighbor says in normal circumstances put it in when it's tossling, which is at about five feet, which is mm. Which is right. My memory is my dad would put it in at waist high and at chest high. And so eh, chest high is before the tassels get made, seems like. But the waist high, I remember, I remember very specifically because I remember walking through the cornfield, side dressing the fertilizer, the ammonium nitrate next to the rows of corn. And you could see all the way across the field from the end of the end of the row all the way down into the woods at the other end of the field. So I know that we were fertilizing when it was about three feet tall. And where right. the tasseling, tasseling is uh, the right. next step. I know it was around chest high because you could sort of barely see over the tops of the corn uh, when you're doing the right. second fertilization. Yeah, okay. That, that's that's what I've always done. And, and uh, uh, so I, I think that's, uh, you know, what I'll continue to do. But, so why don't you uh, go with any other corn different from Trucker's Favorite, Ray? Why don't you do one of the sweet corns or something like that? Well, I don't I don't care that much for for sweet corn. I like the uh, I like the uh, what people you know traditionally call roasting ears, which yeah. is misleading now because you don't roast it. But uh, um, somebody called it mew mew corn. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I like the taste of that. I like to uh, uh, cook that up and uh, and uh, uh, some people put actually put it in a frying pan. And um, cut a nice fresh tomato, which is yeah. doing good this year, yeah. right in the middle of that. And, you know, that's my taste. Well, uh, Ray, you said sweet it, corn is not my anymore, taste. but I had roasted corn just uh, three nights ago. We put it on the grill outside and roasted right. it for five minutes, something like that. It sort of blackened a little bit on the edge. But it was delicious. Very, very good corn. Roasted. Right. Yeah. But the majority of people... Uh, this corn now they they cut it off the cob and yeah. and cook it in and uh, uh, you if you uh, I put it in my freezer of course and if I put it in the freezer on the cob I'd have to have another freezer because it, <laughs> it takes, it takes a lot of rain Shoot. so anyway well, Ray it's great um, talking to you my friend I'm glad your corn you. is doing well and I hope to hear from you again soon thank you bye bye let's see you Ray thanks for calling.
404-872-0750 is our number at 618. And we'll be back after this. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellis weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves for the lawn and garden advice you need. There, who's advising us to keep your eyes on the road and your hands on the wheel. Ashley has been doing yeoman work this past week, doing traffic both on TV and on radio and everything else that she does during the, start, during, the uh, during the week for the radio station, the TV station. We appreciate her doing that. Hands free as Hands of free July first. This day, July one. And how many people actually has been arrested or ticketed for hands free violation? Definitely more than half have been ticketed, but a lot of the cities took the stance of just issuing the warning the first right. um, first month or two. Right. So, yes, I have my little little holder there by the vent on my front door of my car, and now it's always get out of the car, walk 12 feet away, and think, oh, wait, I don't have my phone. Go back to the car, get your phone out of the bracket. It's new habits. It's new habits yeah. for everybody, but yeah. I think it's a good thing. All right. Well, if you think it's a good thing, I think it's a good thing. Let's see what Robert and Tucker thinks is a good thing. He thinks he has a solution to my varmint problem. Is that right, Robert? I'm kind of feeding off a note by Nicole uh, Walter. What did she say? Uh, about, about two months ago, in closing, she said, uh, get your, y'all were talking about this same subject, and uh, she said, uh, get yourself a feral cat. <laughs> and it, it kind of went over everybody's head and everything, And but she was not messing around there. Uh mm. About seven years ago, I had a knock on my door, and I went to the stoop, and there was a, a burlap bag full of little kittens. <laughs> so, I'm, so I immediately headed down to Lifeline and had, had them spayed. And, and, uh, the little, I had three females and, and one little boy and had them spayed and neutered and brought them back. And, uh, and uh, from there, I have not had any snakes, voles, rats, uh, go for rats, which they bring and present to me every morning. Where do they so live, what, Robert? Where do you keep these cats? They're the outside cats. You keep them in they the come, shed? Or I, I, every year, they can be trained. Every year, I have I take them down the lifeline. Have have I only have three of them left now. Mm-hmm. I have them spayed and neutered reasonably, and certainly uh, people give the lifeline because it's a great organization. But what I'm saying is, these cats in the wintertime sleep in my garage. Anybody with outside access should have one of these cats. What about coyotes? Are the coyotes prey on your cats? Not, not in Tucker. Not in Tucker. Don't tell me that. You got um, the Sherwood Forest Lake over there off of uh, Sherwood yeah, Tucker okay. Road. There's Matt, lots of coyotes I'm, there. I'm, now, here's the deal you are going to lose them. But you've got to look at it reasonably, Walter. These these animals are being put down just by the thousands. Yeah. All of your rescue centers are just inundated with these poor animals. So mine have been around my house for seven years. I do talk to uh, to the uh, who am I trying to say? Um, animal control the, 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 the cat catcher. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But they do have collars, and they you do not have snakes. You do not have voles. 
and they we don't have rats, so the neighbors are familiar with these cats. And also, and there's some so I, problems. Man, you can't have them on Shamley, obviously you can't have them on Shamley Tucker Road yeah. and that kind of thing. Yeah. But when you have big uh, subdivisions, it, you ought to have two or three of these cats in your neighborhood because these animals are killers. <laughs> they hunt it. They uh, hunt at night. Yeah, they hunt songbirds uh, and things like that, too. It worries me, Robert, that they would hunt the birds that I like to listen to. And now, watch I understand you're going to lose a few birds, Yeah, but you, you're going you're gonna to eliminate your what's worse. Well, you, you, I mean, you, it's a kind of a two... Two-edged uh, sword. Two-edged sh- sword, but I sure would rather... Uh, and, and they're lovely animals. Like I said, I've had mine seven years, and they... Uh, uh, how they uh, activate to the summer and the winter and use my garage and I feed them, you know, they come to, to my to my garage and we, we I, have I, dinner I, every I night. I would have to I say mean, that I'm not guilt-free in this regard because when I, when I lived on a farm in Fayette County with all those chickens up there, there were constantly rats and things in our barn and we sure. had a family of feral cats that lived in the chicken house in the barn. I don't know quite where they hold up at night. But that was their job, catch rats. It, Do not it, let them get what, ahead of you. That, that's what they are. But the big thing is females work best and, have, and of course, have, you must have them uh, spayed. And uh, they make, and they, you can get where you can pick them up. And yeah. uh, they love being petted just like every, but they, they're outside cats. So people give it a try that you have the space. We'll see. Robert, thanks it, so much for calling. It's a great solution, I think, I hope. It's worth some people at least consider. Thanks for calling, Robert. Appreciate the call. Don't forget that Ackerman Security brings you a weather report every half hour. Chance of thunderstorms today, mostly cloudy, 84 to 69. Tomorrow, partly cloudy in the afternoon. Stray shower possible, high of 81, low of 69 tomorrow. Your full weekend forecast comes up in 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. We'll have more Lawn and Garden after news. It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. 635 and 69 degrees outside. This is Lawn and Garden. I'm Walter Reeves, the Georgia Gardener, here to help you be more successful, to be more weed-free, more flower-full, more pest-free. If you have a question, all you got to do is call. It can be anything about anything, any plant. I don't care if you know the name of the plant. If it's green, we'll figure out what it is. 404-872-0750. Dennis is down in Noonan in Coyote County and joins us in Lawn and Garden. Hey, Dennis. Good morning. Hey, good morning, Walter. Thanks for talking to me. Sure, Dennis. What's going on? Well, I heard you mention a while back something about plastic culture. This was last year, and I yeah. went and got the Lester Bray uh, pamphlet oh, and read yeah. it several times. And I was, I mean, I was ready to go on this stuff. And sure. so I decided to try a small area with it and planted uh, tomatoes in it. And, you know, they're growing a little, and I have a few little tomatoes. But things just look wizened, you know. They just look mm-hmm. like like they would in October. I'm They're maybe wondering, two uh, feet long, and you got ta- you got um, moisture. You got a, a, a drip tape underneath it, and all to water. Sure do. Okay. You know, I would refer back to Mr. Bray for the listeners who don't know who Lester Bray is. The Fayette County Master Gardener Program has produced 
infinite tons of mm-hmm. vegetables that they donate to the local uh, food bank and other shelters and places like that who can use fresh vegetables and fruits. And Lester Bray, who's the gardener in Fayette County, is the master of what is called plasticulture, where you till the soil, make a nice long row of soil, uh, you put fertilizer on the soil, you put a drip tape down the middle of it that drips water out, and then cover that with plastic. Am I describing it pretty well, Dennis? Absolutely. You set it up? So you cover that with plastic, which prevents weeds from growing. It also helps you to control moisture in the soil. And because of that, that's how the Fayette County Master Gardener do such a good job. Dennis is not having such a good result from his plastic culture, it sounds like. And one of the things that I don't understand, Dennis, is why doesn't the black plastic heat the soil some? The roots of your tomato plants would be a little bit too hot underneath there. Well, see, I I thought about that because I heard you talking about somebody planting in a black plastic pot last week. And I thought, oh, dang, that might be it. But that seems to be what everybody does is plant yeah. through the black plastic yeah, so yeah. so should i go with the white plastic next time i think white plastic frankly if it's white white it'll reflect more and be cooler underneath it sure black plastic is not nearly as bad as clear plastic clear plastic is the stuff that makes everything underneath get really really hot because of the greenhouse effect it's called when light goes through a clear covering and changes it to heat underneath there and then it can't heat can't get back out again so things get hot 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 like a car in the wintertime in the sunshine so okay. again if there's any way for you to call the Fayette Master Gardeners or the Fayette Extension Office and say I need one of your plastic culture uh, peons somebody who's one of Mr. Bray's uh, followers to come and give me a call and give me some advice on what I'm doing here that's what I would okay. do Dennis no, don't ask me because okay. I haven't done it but the Fayette County Master Gardeners know everything there is to know about it Really? Yeah. They're good. Okay. I mean, they, they, you good. can't argue with success, Dennis. You can't argue with tons and tons of vegetables every year. They well, make I knew them he was big. there with Fayetteville. I just didn't know that. I, so they've kind of made it their specialty over there, huh? Yeah, yeah, exactly. They love it. Okay. Because they give so much food and so many people appreciate them. Sure do. Okay, great. I will do that. All right, then. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks for calling, Dennis. We'll see you soon. we got Brandon and Alpharetta joining us. Brandon, good morning. Uh, yeah, good morning, Walter. How you doing? Hey, man, I'm doing all right. What you got? Uh, about a year, maybe a little over a year ago, I ordered two peach trees from an online seller, yeah. and they arrived, and I planted them per instructions. Uh, they're probably 40 yards away from one another, mm-hmm. and in between them is a pretty good-sized maple. Um, my question is, one is growing at about a... It's about twice as large as the other one, and I planted them at the same time. I watered them the same. I fertilized them the same. Yeah. My question is, why would one be growing at such a faster rate, and is there anything I can do to make the other one speed up and catch up? In almost every case, it's roots that have the key to how big the top of a tree or a shrub gets. And so while we don't know quite what went on or what is going on with the roots, one peach tree has worse bet or better roots than the other. And that's what leads to vigorous growth or non-vigorous growth for, for the smaller one. So you it was, what, two years ago you said, Brandon, you planted them? Uh, it's about a year and a half ago, probably. And uh, we got it from, I did some research and I can't recall the variety. But the research I did said that the particular variety that I chose is good for the you know Georgia area, yeah, yeah. and 
you know, I've planted trees in my life before and, and did it how I always do it, use, you know, uh, soil and, and peat moss and, and what have you. Yeah. Did they come um, in, in a pot or were they in bare root? Uh, no, they were just like, you know, no root balls. They just came yeah. like wrapped in plastic. Got it. So uh, you were able to spread the roots out, get the roots to go in different directions underneath the tree and all that. Correct. There's something something weird going on with the roots, Brandon. That's all I can all I can point to. And you would not be out of too far out of school anyway to take a shovel and carefully go underneath the one that is not doing so well and lift it up and sort of see what's going on. It probably okay. does not have a big root system on it. Then you may see immediately that one root is wrapped around another, strangling it. Or you may uh -huh. see somehow that water is accumulating in that hole and the roots can't grow because of the soggy soil. Something's going on there. Okay. So if I just took a spade shovel and carefully dug it out and kind of cleaned up the roots and then put it back in the hole, uh, yeah, and if you see anything that can be corrected, you correct that first. But it sounds like there's just something, something weird going on with the roots, and you, Sherlock Holmes, are going to have to figure out what it is. <laughs> okay, um, I, I mean, I have fertilized it with ten, 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 and uh -huh. some uh, organic, uh, you know, plant food. Yeah, well, you should be yeah. fine there. Yeah, if it's yeah. if it's been treated the same, fertilized the same, and everything else. <laughs> There's just something not right with the roots. Okay. All right. Well, I'll give that, I'll give that a try, and um, and hopefully that'll help it out. I appreciate it. Yeah, but Brandon, if you find anything interesting, if you find something weird with the roots, you better call me back because we want to know. This is how you educate other gardeners of what things can you can run into. Is when you find a problem, I will. What, what find exactly a solution. What I'll be looking for. Uh, malformations. Look for either non-existent roots, or roots that are wrapped around each other. Um, anything that just doesn't look like it's spreading out and growing vigorously in all directions from the trunk of the tree. Make sure it hasn't been buried too deeply, that the roots are not way, way down in the soil and the trunk sort of telephone pole looking coming out of the soil. Lots of things to look at like that. Thanks for calling, Brandon. Let's go to Steve in uh, Decatur, Georgia. Hey, Steve. Good morning. Welcome to Lawn and Garden. Good morning, Walter. Hey, Steve. I'm calling this morning. I have a fescue lawn, yeah. and it seems that uh, spring and fall are kind of disappearing, and summer is getting extended. And I've been having problems with crabgrass that starts really the end of May, mm -hmm. maybe beginning of June, and then last, you know, way, in, way into September when it's time to uh, reseed. Okay. So I thought I might uh, call you up and get an idea for some managing this stuff so it doesn't take over my lawn until it's time to reseed in the fall. If you, if you feel like you're getting a longer germination time that's starting to germinate earlier in the spring and then just continuing to germinate through the summer, which crabgrass does, anytime the soil is above 55 or 60 degrees, that's when crabgrass seeds likes to germinate. So one of the techniques that you could use is to split the application of pre-emergent that you put out. And you know what a pre-emergent is, a chemical that keeps seeds from germinating. Okay, And so you put the pre-emergent out, half-strength application in mid-February. It wouldn't be too early, I think. That would get you the early part of the germination season. And another application in early to mid-May. So the two applications are going to really extend the time of control, the length of control that you'll have on the crabgrass, and maybe get a better ha handle on the crabgrass so not much of it survives the pre-emergent preventing it. 
Well, believe it or not, I actually tried that. Yeah. And also, it, it used to be in the past they would make concentrate strictly for crabgrass, you know. Mm-hmm. But now I haven't been able to find any of that in years. You have to go ahead and use the general broadleaf spectrum uh, weed control. But, yeah, I have tried that. And the thing is the, the crabgrass mainly comes up uh, – near the street, you know, along the curb line, Hmm. along the driveway, and then places where I get a lot of sun. Hmm. And, uh, but I have tried that split because I, I, you know, I've been listening to the program. I think you're going to have to keep keep after, I don't know why those little pieces and parts escaped from being controlled, but the pre-emergence that we have on the market today do a pretty good job. Halts is a fine pre-emergent. Um, there's gallery and there's two or three more that are uh, readily available from big box stores and Pike as well and they work great as long as they're applied earlier than the seed germinate yeah and then watered in so they make that nice barrier on top of the soil so somehow somehow your seeds escape that barrier but nonetheless if you do it right I would just keep doing the same thing and split applications maybe and after a year or two you should be pretty close to crabgrass free well, that's pretty good. Well, let's talk about where I am now, uh, and Real quick, that's you don't have trying, time. yeah, trying to manage it until the fall comes and it's time to reseed, so it doesn't take over the yard. Yeah. What do you want? You want something to control crabgrass now after it's up? Yeah. Well, I've got it coming up now, so I have to, you know, have oh. to deal with it now. I, you know, I, I. There have been times in the past where I just kind of get lazy, and by God, it does take over the yard. We don't have a a herbicide that will take crabgrass out of existing long grasses. Not anymore, anyway. There used to be one that was abbreviated MSMA, monosodium methane arsenate, and it's no Uh longer on the market. So um, for homeowners, Steve, there's nothing except your lawnmower to treat the crabgrass during the summertime. (laughs) That is it right there. Okay. All right. Well, thank you very much for the information, Walter. Here, Steve. Thanks for calling. Have a good morning. Thank you. 646. It's our friend Nicole who joins us this morning. Hey, Nicole. Good morning. Mr. Reed. Mr. Nicole. Good morning. It's good to talk to you. Even though you didn't get here earlier in the morning, it's good to talk to you now. What's blooming? Oh, man. My um, uh, Shasta daisies are looking great right now. Shasta daisy. Blooms and blooms and blooms, and every year I think to myself, I'm going to move and divide my bed and make an even bigger Shasta Daisy bed, and I never get around to it in the fall and the wintertime, and then in the spring, I don't get around to it either, and in the summertime, it blooms like crazy, and I'm really proud that I have it, at least a little bit of it. Uh, Shasta Daisy is white? Yeah, yeah, the white one. They have different colors, isn't it? Uh, not that I'm aware of. The white one, the Becky, is the variety that I grow. It was... Uh, introduced by um, uh, Stewart, Jimmy Stewart, who used to live in Decatur, and his wife Becky. Uh, he discovered or saw this particular Shasta Daisy growing somewhere and thought, man, that's better than anything else I've ever seen. And so he selected the seed and named it Becky, and now all of us in Decatur and, frankly, all over the southeast use Becky Shasta Daisy in our gardens. So they spread out by a rhizome yep. underneath? Yeah, under the, yeah, under the ground roots, sure do. Would that make a good ground cover, a place that uh, you cannot grow anything? Since the, the leaves aren't there during the wintertime, I don't know if it had any kind of slope. It would not hold erosion back very well. But in for flat ground, when you don't care about erosion, why not? Yeah, and pretty flowers in the summertime. 
Because I have a few, but uh, they have a hard time where they are. Full sun, isn't it? Yeah, full sun, full sun. And I find mine droop a little bit in the summer, in the uh, early afternoon in the summer, and so I try to get out there every couple of days and water it pretty good. Because otherwise they'll droop pretty badly by the second, third dry day. Um, I went on the road yesterday, and I saw those little bees dying alongside the road. Yeah. I cannot recognize because I don't, I cannot stop and look at it. But the fur is uh, really pale, like uh, uh, brown, but almost beige. What little, would it be? Little, little bees, you said. Little, little be- uh, beast. I call them bees. They're roadkill, but they are round. The the uh, the body is really round. What would it be? I don't know. There's certainly groundhogs that get hit by the side of the road. Chipmunks once in a while. Squirrels we know every day. Uh, so groundhogs, the fur would uh, be that that beige of a color. Could be, yeah. The groundhogs when you get up in North Georgia and up into Tennessee and Kentucky, yeah, the groundhogs would be not unusual to see by the side of the road. Oh, that's why it is yeah. because I went to um, Coming Twenty. Mm-hmm. God Almighty, I didn't know this place would be so overcrowded. Yeah. I went three or four years ago. There was only wood on both sides. Not anymore. <laughs> no, there's houses and incredible, incredible yeah. developed big time. God Almighty. Wow, Grace. Well, Nicole, it's great to talk to you this morning. I got to go because we got a heart out here, but it's great to hear your voice this morning. Enjoy your day. Enjoy your day. We'll see you soon. 404-872-0750, the number online in Garden. We'll be back after this. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellish weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves, the lawn and garden advice you need. Well, I woke up still not dead again today. The internet said I had passed away. If I died, I wasn't dead to stay. Well, I woke up still not dead again today. Well, I woke up still not dead again today. <laughs> Willie Nelson brought to you courtesy of Jason Byers this morning. We woke up and we were not dead, and we're here at the station this morning to do the Lawn and Garden Show. A quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. Chance of thunderstorms today, as it is most every day. Mostly cloudy, high of 84, low of 69. Partly cloudy in the afternoon tomorrow. Stray shower possible, of course. High of 81, low of 69. And your full weekend forecast comes up in 10 minutes on News 95.5. And every save 750 WSB we got Paul in Cleveland who joins us now. Paul, good morning. Good morning, sir. Hey, How brother are you? Paul. Doing fine, Paul. How can I help? I went to Texas to live for five or six years to make my fortune. And yeah. I'm back home now. I brought some irrigation wheels they put on the big irrigation farms out there. Yeah, sure. And I, was, I bought some of them back home, and I was wondering if... Uh, when I I'm I'm planning on using them to grow uh, creeping roses and tomatoes. All right. Sounds and I was good. wondering if the heat off of the uh, sun on these steel wheels would uh, burn the vines. Generally not. And the reason for that is because there's a little bit of the steel that's shaded. You know, if you've got a vine growing on top of it, and so the only time yeah. the steel gets really hot is when it has direct sunshine on the steel. 
And well, because it, it will be direct sunshine on the steel. Yeah, but some of it's going to be shaded by the roses or the vines or the whatever you grow on it, won't it? Won't it be? Yeah, I, I imagine so, yes, sir. And so... Uh, I, I was wondering if it'd be better if I sandblasted them and painted them white or leave them uh natural you know if you want to sandblast and paint a white be, would be fine are they uh galvanized or do the, do the wheels rust much they're they they don't rust a whole lot but they do have rust on them yeah the you know the darker it is the more heat is absorbed by it of course if you just felt like being a good citizen for the plants you grow in there paul i guess painting them white sandblast painting white would not be a bad thing to do it certainly would keep them cooler yes sir well, I, that's what I was wondering. Well, Thank think, you very much. I think your instincts are running just exactly like mine are. I think the cooler you keep it, the better off the plants will be, Carl. Yeah. Well, I seen the plants. I mean, seen the wheels leaning against the against the fence out and there. You couldn't I, bear to you couldn't bear to have them left in Texas. You wanted them for yourself. Well, yeah. Uh, you know. It's just like in the in the cartoons, you see the light come on above somebody's head. And I seen them, I said, "Creeping roses and tomatoes." Paul said, "We gotta have them." He stopped and loaded the truck up, and now he's got them in Cleveland. Paul, it's great talking to you. Thanks for calling this morning. Thank you for talking to me. You bet, Bye-bye. Paul. We'll see you, man. Coming up in the next half hour, some great questions. Stephen and Dunwoody wants has a. Co- a cucumber, a cucumber flower that does not fruit, a cucumber vine that flowers but does not fruit. I know exactly what Steve is talking about, and I think I have an answer for him. Scott in Peachtree Corner wants to transplant a butterfly bush. David in Oxford has wants to check for the ripeness of watermelons. And David, I have a perfect thing to demonstrate for you right here on the air in the station. I can demonstrate how to check for the ripeness of watermelons. Tyler in Statham. As yellow jackets in the side gaps of his lawn. What's he going to do with those yellow jackets? I've got a good answer for Tyler, too. So all of you, put the phone down for just a few minutes. We have the news coming up, or you can listen to the news. We'll be back to more Lawn and Garden after news at 7.05.